Blog Talk Radio. Colts fans, and welcome to Colts Authority Radio's off-season Colts talk. I'm your host, Greg Cowan. On tonight's episode, free agency opens tomorrow, not in a week, which I originally thought. And we're going to discuss it because it's important to discuss free agency, especially with Ryan Grigson as your general manager. I don't have an opening prepared because I'm asleep, so I'm just going to bring Kyle on. He's my co-host. Hi, Kyle. How are you? I'm great, Greg. It's that's, nice to be back on the air. That's good. I'm glad you're great. I'm I'm great too. Let's let's be great together. So I have a question for you. We're going to start off. I just want to get right to it. The question that's on everyone's mind. Okay. In 2003, hip hop artist DMX released a song called "X Gonna Give It to You." In that song, he <laughs> says, "X Gonna Give It to You," but he doesn't give me anything. What is he going to give me, and when is he going to give it to me? Greg. I think if he'd given it to you, you would know that he'd given it to you. So is it never going to happen? Am I never getting anything? Oh, he's going to give it to you. I think he makes that very clear. <laughs> but when am I getting it then? Well, I don't think you, you're supposed to know. Oh, it's just going to. I mean, that's that's part of the that's part of the uh, you know the the aura of the giving it to you. It's a surprise. One night I'm just going to wake up getting something. Oh, yeah, exactly. I think think you're right on the, the same page. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Have a have a great week, guys. Okay. That's the that's so, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I said, free agency opens tomorrow, the, the 9th. I, I must have been looking at the 2015 calendar because I scheduled two different shows with Kyle, one for today and then one for, I think, the 21st which were supposed to be before and after free agency. And then I tweet that out and uh, someone tweets to me, uh, free agency opens the ninth, which was a day before our preview show, which seems inefficient. So Kyle and I got together. We're going to do this. Big news happened actually all, all day. Uh, Dwayne Allen resigned. Trent Cole is staying, uh, took a pay cut, but got upfront money. Adam Vinatieri resigned. And Bjorn Werner gets to become a male model somewhere. So it's like a win-win-win for everyone. Let's jump right into the Dwayne Allen stuff because definitely the biggest news. I think it has a lot of implications for other people as well and definitely the one that moved the needle the most. So, Kyle, you start off because you inexplicably love Dwayne Allen more than any man should. (laughs) I do love Dwayne Allen. I think Dwayne Allen is fantastic on pretty much every every level, um, except his body. And I don't mean that in a swimsuit edition way. But I, I like Dwayne Allen a lot. And I think, I mean, we've talked about him a lot. We've talked about the tight ends a lot on this show and on Twitter and everywhere else. Um, but I think Allen is a guy that uh, if you look at, you know, if you haven't followed the Colts over the last couple of years, and if you just, you know, especially if you just do fantasy football or something like that, or you're just you know you're not particularly a Colts fan and you're just kind of watching from the outside, uh, the numbers 
certainly don't match the production, uh, right? Especially like if we're talking about uh, receiving production. Um, he last year he specifically lost. 15 pounds in order to be more of a receiving threat. And in the beginning of the season, I could see the quickness um, in his, his breaks and in his routes, but they didn't translate. Um, he caught the one touchdown against Buffalo in the first week. And, and then there was just really nothing. He ended up with 29 targets on the season, which again, it was after a, a off season where he had supposedly gotten healthy. Um, it was an off season where he specifically lost weight, to, like I said, to be more explosive, to be part of that passing game. And then he wasn't part of the passing game. And I think part of that is Allen, just because he's not, he is, his, 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 um, his draw is not that he is the most explosive, most potent receiving threat. He's not a guy who's ever going to be the, you know, the top target uh, on a, on a passing team um, or on any team really. But as an all around player as a player who can be used in a variety of different ways and can make a team versatile uh, he's got a lot of value so uh, the numbers on their face are high um, but I do think there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of incentives built into the contract um, there's a you know, five hundred thousand dollar I mean it, it ends up being about five hundred grand uh, in incentives just for playing in games and for every year um, so there's a there's a games incentive, but there's probably also, uh, I would assume when we see the full numbers for this contract, that a lot is based is isn't guaranteed, and a lot of it is going to be like we've seen the last few contracts structured, um, more team friendly than the than the big numbers make it seem. Okay, so a lot of people, I was I'm critical of the contract, not the player, and a lot of people don't like that. Maybe I shouldn't have called Dwayne Allen a, a fullback, but here's my problem. I, I don't think his health is the biggest issue here. I think the person in charge of roster and game planning decisions is the biggest hindrance to Dwayne Allen becoming the kind of football player he should become. You know, over the past, since the last time we did a show, is it two months now, I think, listening to Grigson talk and looking at Grigson's moves, I'm almost on to your side where I think Grigson has learned a lot and has grown and adapted to, to things that he needed to. But Pagano continues to to preach, run the ball, stop the run. They want to bring in – I don't want to – they want to bring in players who seem to be in that mold. To me, the biggest issue with Dwayne Allen is the fact that I'm afraid that they just signed the guy to a $29 million contract to block. Well, and the, the hope is that the fact that they – sign him to a $29 million contract means that they see more of a role for him than blocking, particularly with, with Chud's offense. And I mean, the other thing, and you hinted at this earlier is what it means for other people. I think what it means for other people also has a, a then a doubling effect on him. If, if them giving Allen this kind of money means Kobe Fleener is likely gone. Uh, I think that means that, I mean, that, that, that gives Allen's role in the passing game just shoots up. Um, we haven't seen very many times where Allen has been healthy and Fleener hasn't been. The only times that that was the case was in their rookie year. And uh, usually it's been the other way around. And Fleener has usually flourished in terms of the passing game when that happened. And in their rookie year, uh, we saw when Fleener wasn't particularly healthy all year, we saw Allen really, really succeed. Um, so I think, I think just in terms of individual play, uh, you know, one of them having more of a focus in the passing game rather than having to split that will mean more production. But, 
I mean, we still have the issue of just of who Allen is as, as a player and whether he'll develop into that, you know, uh, not just a, a good blocker and, an, and a guy, uh, you know, an okay receiver who can catch balls in the flats, but whether he can actually be a, like a good threatening receiver. It's never going to be, like I said, he's never going to be Gronk, but I, I think he could be a, a threat in the passing game if used correctly and if he develops in the, you know, the arc that we want him to. Well, he certainly, uh, I said this last night, I th- at this point in time, with the contracts that people are receiving, like so everyone was on a rookie deal, you could afford both these guys, everything was great. Now that everyone's coming onto their second contract, you can only have one. And it makes sense, theoretically, on paper, that Allen's the one you want, because he is the more complete player. He, he, he rounds out the skill set of everyone. I don't think you want a Kobe Fleener and a T.Y. Hilton and a Moncrief and a Dorsett. Like then you have not a not a lot of blocking anywhere on your team. So I I appreciate what he brings. He's more balanced, well-rounded player. I get all that. That's fine. But I just Grigson has a has a history of overpaying for potential. The past four years should have. Uh, oh, sorry. Breaking news. Apparently, Matt Hasselbeck's going into announcing. That's interesting. We'll get to that in a moment, too. So, the past four years should have brought this price down a little bit. And I was someone. I was speaking to uh, someone on Twitter today who thought I was being negative last night. And I tried to, like, if Kobe Fleener gets this contract, people will the same people who are praising the Dwight the Dwayne Allen contract will criticize the Kobe Fleener contract, but Kobe Fleener in my mind has actually produced to a point where he deserves that he's going to get more, which is the issue, but he's actually produced to a point where this contract is in the realm of deserved. Now you can talk about his yards after catch, which is approximately one Trent Richardson run per catch, but you know, I just, your pay his, he has in his entire career, his entire career worth of stats is one really good season for a tight end. It just it really concerns me. That's all. So I I think that's a valid concern. Um like I say, I, I think it, it really depends on how this contract structure comes out. I mean, obviously the the like I said, the base numbers are overpaying for Dwayne Allen. I mean mm-hmm. yes yes you going up and all that and that's probably what they did have to pay him to to keep him around um because there was a lot of uh i mean it's not just it's not just colts fans who saw Dwayne allen as as a legitimate um like prize in free agency um there there were a lot of analysts saying that that allen was going to to be somebody that you know the other teams would gladly go after um so i i mean i think yeah you look at the stats and and Allen certainly hasn't produced um, in the receiving game like we would want him to over the last two years. I mean, he was he was hurt all of 2000, 2014, um, or 2013. Um, 2000, you know, 2014, he was hurt a large part of the, the last half of the year. Last year was a complete mess, obviously, with the whole offense. Um, but you look at, at Dwayne Allen and what he can do, and again, it's that the potential. But every contracted free agent is in free agency is paying for potential. You're always going to be paying for potential. Um, the question is just what do you you know what kind of what you see is actually viable. And I think when you look at a guy like Kobe Fleener, I just didn't see the 
I, I just see the potential in Dwayne Allen being a little bit more more viable than Kobe Fleener developing into that that receiving threat. Um, just because I don't think we've ever really seen Fleener. I mean, we've seen more numbers, but I don't think if you look at the film that you see more from him than than you do Allen in terms of the receiving game. Um, in terms of like traits and what he can do, uh, in terms of production, certainly it's there and and health. Um, but I don't. I like if you say like what trait Kobe Fleener has that's, that's better than Dwayne Allen in the receiving game. I he's faster um, in a, in a straight line. I. I don't know what else. He gets open really well, but Dwayne Allen probably can also. So it's just a matter of not getting a chance to see it a lot. I also wonder. Well, go ahead. Just on that on that note, real quick, like the um, the the scheme for both of these guys makes it really hard to to accurately project them going forward. I, I think everybody who's who's watched would agree that it's just been it's hasn't been consistent and it hasn't been effective and it's really hard to accurately see what they can do with both of their respective skills. Anyway. I also wonder if I'm probably reading way too much into it, but Dwayne Allen was very unhappy last year. I wonder if the Colts had to uh, give a little makeup money. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I legitimately thought he was just going to be gone because of last season. Like he was going to be gone because he didn't want to be here. Like, right. I mean, I, until it was like a few weeks ago when, or maybe it was even farther back than that, but it was after the season, right? He had an interview where he came out and said, I really want to stay in Indianapolis. I love the city, whatever. And I kind of was like, okay, that's, you know, every, every player kind of says that, but Allen does do a ton for the city. And he, I mean, and he did seem, you know, genuine in his in his desire to stay in Indianapolis. But before that, I was like, man, if I was Dwayne Allen, I would not want to be here, it, regardless of 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 his part in the lack of production. The Colts also just did not use him well at all, um, especially after he specifically expressed interest this last offseason and being a bigger part of the passing game, and it just never happened. I mean, to me, that was like, I'd be gone, but. You know he's back, and and so it wouldn't surprise me at all that if they would have if if they had to pay like you said a little bit of a little bit of extra money to get back in the good graces, so to speak. Or maybe just if you're not going to use me, at least I'm going to be well compensated for not being used. <laughs> like I, I would be earning more money elsewhere. So I don't know. Uh, so just so people are clear, I like the player. I like him a lot. If you go back and listen to his rookie year, I was as high on like he's really well rounded. Yeah. I love the guy. I just need him to be on the field, need him to be used. My biggest concern with the entire team is the head coach. I I have heard nothing from him that convinces me that he's bought into anything that I want him to buy into. Yeah, and we're probably going to keep having that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I also also wonder how much uh, of, like, the Colts had Scott Chandler in for a visit. And I wonder how much, like, Ryan Grigson sitting there going, last year I had Jack Doyle as my number three, and then Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen, and I could wake up tomorrow with Scott Chandler and and Doyle. Gosh. (laughs) These are life decisions I don't know that I want to make. Okay, Dwayne, you can have more money. It just... They would have gone from a really great position to a really bad one. Now, I think... Titans fine. Doyle, I think, is a really good 
backup as long as Allen's healthy. He he does everything passably well, which is all you need in a second tight end when you have three good receivers. So, right. I mean, they have to move into more of a three wide offense next year. Um, even if if Johnson is gone, I mean, they've got Dorsett. They have to try and develop him. They've got to get back to the the you know downfield passing focus. Um, so I mean, to me, like the second tight end really isn't a big deal. As long as they kept one of Fleener and Allen, at least they have some continuity there. And like I said, with Allen, you just have more. And like you said, there's just, there's just more versatility there. So, I mean, it makes sense. Again, it's the numbers really, that's surprising. And I think more of that will, as the, the actual numbers come out, um, will make a little more sense. And saying how much I actually do like Fleener more than other people like him, if they re-sign him at this point, I'll actually be a little upset because it'll kind of muddle the plan. The plan needed to be pick one and go. And as far as I'm right. concerned, they picked Allen, go with that. So Yeah, I'd be really surprised if they re-signed Fleener unless he just has like zero interest on the market. But again, it's one of those things like when you were looking at analysts talking about free agents that were coming up and whatnot – Nobody has talked really about Fleener being available. Like, it was Allen being available for other teams. So I, I do wonder what the market is going to be for Fleener. Well, Anyway, Dwayne Allen's contract right now in terms of average um, salary puts him between Dennis Pitta, Kyle Rudolph. He's ahead of those two, and but right under Jordan Cameron and Jason Witten which this is old Jason Witten we're talking about. So, again, I don't think the numbers are too ludicrous um, if if the contract is fairly well, like, team-friendly. And, again, there's at least $2 million of it is totally per-game incentive. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. He had a roster bonus in 2017. Did you say that? Sorry. It was like a $2 million for being on the oh, roster. Yeah, yeah. So so, it, I, so it's two million for the roster bonus in 2017, and then there's another two million that is totally that is all for those uh, per game bonuses because it's 500 grand a year. Okay. Anyway, anything but, else on the tight ends? I think we're we're in agreement. It's just a money issue with me and a usage issue, but well, and right you guy. and I have have talked about Allen and Fleener before, and I know that that you like him probably more than I do, and I don't know that we need to rehash it, but I I think we both probably have valid points on, on both sides of that argument. And I don't hate Kobe Fleener. So anyway, <laughs> well, no, I, I, I just, I think he's way kill way over killed amongst Colts fans for not being able to catch the ball. I think that the only issue you could really have with him is he doesn't use his speed enough. I mean, I think he catches the ball fine anymore. No. Yeah. To me, he just doesn't have like any, there's like no dynamic element to him. There's to me there's just like no playmaking element to him at all and he's not an asset blocking. So to me he's just very replaceable, I guess. Right. That, I that's I'm fine with that. I I just like every time he catches a ball, it's like 15 tweets of, "Oh, you didn't drop this one." Dude doesn't have a dropping problem anymore. He just doesn't like get yards after the catch, which you need to do as a tight end with the receiving options they have. He should have plenty of space. So, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to pay him $10 million a year, which is what I'm sure he wants. That's stupid money. <laughs> the Jaguars will do it because they're 
the Jaguars or the Raiders. One of them will be like, They're oh. throwing it around. All right. So other moves that were made. I'm going to do all of these at once, and then we can just talk about them because I don't think any of them individually is too much to worry about. So Trent Cole got upfront money, I think $1.5 million upfront for being on the roster in exchange for taking a $2.5 million pay cut. Adam Vinatieri signed a two-year deal, and Bjorn Werner was cut. Did I miss anything? That's about it. Okay. So, which one of these makes you happy, excited? Um, I think Adam Vinatieri is coming back is good. Uh, I, he's still in. I don't as long as you know the rest of my un, semi-unprofessional football analyzing career goes i was totally i thought he was he was done like two years ago or whenever it was i don't know i wrote a piece about it and everything and um i thought it was just time to move on uh and he's been i mean he's been money ever since Like i thought his leg was just going to get to a point where he wasn't like they were going to be in one of those situations where it's like oh we're on the 30 and we're not sure if he's going to be able to make a 50 you know 47 to 50 yard field goal so you know you're always stuck in that kind of conundrum, but he the guy's been absolute money, um, and so I'm I mean I'm fine with bringing him back. Kicker contracts are never anything to be like super uh, upset about anyway. So I'm happy he's coming back. He had hip surgery that year, that off season when he was, looked done, mm-hmm. and now he kicks it farther than he used to. Bionic hip, man. What the hell happened to that? Like, what was going on in that hip? <laughs> like. He got five to ten extra yards. They send him out for fifty-five yarders now, and he's okay. And and it's never even like seems close. No, like, he's like. I mean, they haven't. It's not like they're very often testing his range. But I mean, the dude never seems like he like. I I never worry about the length anymore, at least at all. He had a couple last year where it was, I think, over fifty, and you could legitimately say, "Wow, he had ten more yards on that kick." And that even when. He was winning the Super Bowl for Indianapolis. Never had that kind of leg. I remember the kick in Baltimore where he had to get the the English off the upright. Mm-hmm. That was that wasn't a long kick at all. I don't has his hip been bothering him, and he's like putting it <laughs> off, putting it off, and all of a sudden now he's like kicking himself because he had ten extra yards in his leg the whole time, and he just didn't get a surgery. That's it's bizarre to me. I mean, I know they've tested him for. PEDs a few times. I don't blame them because it is the weirdest thing. You don't usually get better as you get over 40 as an athlete. As a as a normal person happens all the time though. Uh Trent Cole. I I for me you can't cut everyone. You need bodies. He's taking less. Great. Who cares? I think yeah, to me, it's. Um, I thought they were gonna just cut him. I thought they would just, you know, cut bait and, and it was a it was a failed move. It was. The, I mean, to me, it was right with the Andre Johnson thing, right? They just that they didn't produce. They weren't worth the money. Just let's just move on and get younger. Um, but the thing with the difference is that wide receiver, you've got multiple young, both young and proven young receivers there um, that you both want to develop and can trust to produce. Um, outside linebacker, that's not the case. Uh, they have nobody at outside linebacker that can rush the, rush the passer. At least that's proven to rush the passer, and also they can trust to stay healthy. I mean, 
even Mathis when when he was healthy last year, I mean, wasn't great. Um, Walden, obviously, um, and obviously Warner's gone now, so they have nobody. So they need bodies. He takes a pay cut. He's a vet. I mean, I like I like the move from that perspective. It's not like it doesn't excite me, but I think it was probably the right move once they realized they could talk him down in money. So he's fine against the run, and if you're going to be concerned with that. He's probably after the pay cut. He's probably cheaper than anyone else they'd get to replace him anyhow. Although, apparently they're going to bring other people in to do that anyhow. Okay, before we talk about that, Jarrell Freeman's not signed. What the hell? It's not surprising. Really? Well, they just—they never really, at least to me, the Colts never really. Um, they never really showed the interest. And it, I, I don't know, like the way that Freeman was talking earlier this off season when, you know, they had interviews and, you know, they give the, the answers like, Oh, I hope I'm back. But it, that was it, like, I like Alan was like, I want to be back in Indianapolis. I, I love Indianapolis, blah, blah, blah. Freeman has been like, yeah, I want to be back, but I've never hit the free agency market. Yada, yada, yada. So to me, it just uh-huh. seemed like, like the, you know, the, on either maybe one side, maybe on both sides, there just wasn't the interest to get him signed um, early. Now maybe he goes on the market and he realizes he's turn. I mean, what is he thirty now or he's turning thirty? I can look that up for you. Uh, he is twenty nine, but he will be thirty before the season starts. He turns thirty May first. So, so I mean, it's like maybe he hits the market and he realizes, okay, teams aren't going to pay top dollar for a 30-year-old linebacker, regardless of whether he was good last year or not. And maybe the Colts still end up bringing him back in. But, oh yeah, like to me, like I said, it just never seemed like the uh, the spark was there. We're going to go with that analogy, I guess. Well, so earlier today I set their holes as a center, outside linebacker who can get to the quarterback, cornerback safeties, but now don't they need inside linebackers also? I'm getting concerned with the amount of things they need and the amount that you can actually get in the draft. Am I am I wrong here? So I'm trying to process that. Repeat it. <laughs> okay. Earlier this earlier this afternoon, after all these moves were made, before the before it dawned on me that Jarrell Freeman hasn't signed, I thought that it was just Josh Freeman that they were letting walk. Or, <laughs> and then uh, everyone was like, "I can't believe Freeman." I was like, "Why are people so upset about Freeman? He's just a backup quarterback." And then it, then I actually looked it up and realized that they were letting the the good one go. So I have it pegged as they need a center, they need an outside linebacker who can rush the passer, probably two, but beggars can't be choosers. They need a cornerback, a starting cornerback. And mm-hmm. safeties, like kind of like two of them. But now with Freeman walking, they also need inside an inside linebacker, right? They need a lot right. of things, and you can't you can't really get all these things in the draft. And I don't what what I don't even know if good players at those positions are available in free agency. So I'm I'm kind of concerned with all the things they need is where I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I think you should be concerned, right? I mean, I, and it's kind of been like this the last however many years. Um, they've had, 
they had so many needs the last you know three years they could go anywhere in the draft and get need players um so the the question is you know prioritizing those needs and uh like you said trying to figure out which ones are better best available in the draft versus free agency and how you can kind of uh make your you know be, make the most efficient use of your resources um I, there are good some good players available at those positions, but it, they'll be expensive. Um, you know, but Allen was expensive, and he's a re-signing uh, of a guy who hasn't been super productive. So, <laughs> you know, like who? How much is a guy like Danny Trevathan going to cost? And, and that's, I mean, like when you look talking about linebackers. But I think they were always going to need a a, a young to draft an inside linebacker, um, Jackson. Uh, Nicole Jackson's obviously aging. I thought they should have just cut him and, and signed, re-signed Freeman. But even if they did that, you were going to need another starting linebacker. They were always going to need a, a second starting corner with Toller's contract being up and needing to be replaced anyway. Safeties, to me, you could probably put off just because um, Lowry played well last year. Uh, the rookie whose name is – I can't think of right now for some reason. Um don't remember his name. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Another... I'm looking for a, the only I have guy and gathers. Yeah, Who gathers. Else? Clayton gathers. Okay. Um, there you go. Yeah, he played well uh, when in rotation at safety, and he's kind of their like developing for the future guy. Um, and Mike Adams is Mike Adams. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like they could they could sit at the safety position. I think other positions are more urgent. Um, Cornerback, inside linebacker, obviously outside linebacker, like that's a huge need. Um, And I think all three of those, they need youth. So they kind of have to go to the draft. Um, The offense to me is more like free agency, right? I mean, you could, they could draft inside uh, interior linemen. Um, Certainly could do that to develop. Um, But they could get a guy, if they wanted to spend money, they could get a guy like Mac, Alex Mac on, on the, free agency market for, for center. I don't know that I would part- at this point particularly advocate for spending that kind of money on a center who uh, is whose best years are behind him probably. Um, and same thing at guard, like Evan Mathis. I, I don't know. Do you really want to spend with them going to a zone blocking scheme? Maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be a decent move if they can get him for cheap. But other than that, there's not a ton of, there, there's also just not a ton of like good um, interior linemen on the market. There are a few, um, just depending on how expensive they are, but do you agree with my thought that finding a center is has a long term center has to be one of the highest priorities for this team right now? Someone who can grow with luck. Yeah, I do. I, I think center is is underrated because it's a position that a lot of times um, doesn't require the like athletic traits like a top tier, you know, tackle does. Um, so a lot of times we kind of underrate the center position because they're, you know, they're helping, they're, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of help blocks. Um, it's not a position where you, you, you have um, a guy who can just dominate and it just completely changes your offensive line when in terms of physically, but it's really underrated in terms of your team's ability to pick up the blitz and, uh, you know, your, your, your center is like a second quarterback in terms of pre-snap adjustments. 
Um, and that, that was a huge reason why the Colts had so much success with Peyton was because Jeff Saturday is another guy who could look at the defenses and help, um, you know, figure out protections and all those things. And the Colts haven't had anything close to that with luck under center. Uh, and that's been really harmful. I mean, you can see that the, the places where the Colts have struggled the most with their offensive line in terms of pass protection is the blitz. Um, just not picking up stunts well, not, you know, not having free rushers come through because they, you know, misrecognize something or whatever else. Um, so I think you get a guy in there who can kind of tie it all together from the center position mentally. I think that that makes their offensive line look a lot better than it does now. Okay. That's where exactly where I am on it. I, I feel like everything else is secondary because you're going to, they're, they're going to live and die with their offense in my mind for at least another year. It's good. This, the defense isn't going to be good. This, this season in my mind so you got to get that center and you have to have that offense be the top five offense that you envisioned it being last year and the, and the year before like this really has to be the year where you go okay the offense is good got it did it perfect you, like from now from after this offseason you have to just be able to draft tweaks or you know little bits and pieces here and there so that you can focus on getting the kind of elite playmakers on defense that we've been begging for since 2012, like begging for. So I don't yeah, know where you get that know. guy. Where, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you that the, the Browns players are the, the their two linemen, Mac and, Oh, I guess Mathis isn't a Brown player, but anyhow, I, I Mac is on the downside do you say, okay, that's fine because mentally you're good enough to do this? I don't think so because of the price. But Right, that's that's the thing with Mac is that you're you're paying a lot for the name at this point, I think, just because he's been such a talked about player the last couple of years in terms of potentially getting to free agency and um I mean he was the top center in the league the, just a few years ago, but he's he has downgraded quite a bit. I think the guy um who was in Jacksonville last year, um, was Newski. Uh, could be a decent option at a better price, but and he's only like twenty, mid twenties, twenty six or twenty seven. So where do you think they go, Smart? We've heard reports that they want to bring in Courtney Upshaw, which seems like the dumbest thing possible. Um, <laughs> Upshaw is a, a Baltimore Ravens linebacker who stops the run. Don't they have like that's Walden's role? That's I guess sort of Trent Cole's Trent role. Cole's role. <laughs> they they've got this covered. The only way this makes sense to me, and it doesn't even make sense to me this way, but the only way I can see the mental gymnastics working is if they bring in Upshaw and get rid of Walden. Right. Right. If they could get Upshaw for like a cheaper price or something like that, I don't know, and get younger at the same time. I, I mean, yeah, he he's been very uh, limited as a player. I mean, just completely a, a run-stopping specialist at this point. But the the problem is is they they have to get away from this, this Baltimore thing. I mean, honestly, because it's like every player that comes out of Baltimore's system that hits free agency, they're hitting because they know the system. I mean, there's a reason they're getting out of Baltimore. Like, every player who has gotten out of Baltimore in free agency the last few years has tanked. It's not going to get any better because they saw they their new defensive coordinator is from Baltimore. Like, I, right. 
so again, like if you're just adding to the fire. My my opening comments when all this started was I'm coming kind of coming around to your thinking on Grigson, but I feel like this whole off season fight between them only strengthened Pagano's position. Yeah. And I feel like they're on this path that they can't get off of now. Every time I hear Pagano speak, it's run the ball, stop the run. And every time I hear Grigson speak, it's not run the ball, stop the run. Like they, To me, it's worse now than it was last year. Like Now that they aren't even on the same page publicly... It's crazy. And you can't talk about, like, get to the quarterback, get to the quarterback, get to the quarterback. Here's Courtney Upshaw. <laughs> it's, there, there's, there are pass rushers out there. Now, you can argue how good they are, but there are actual pass rushers out there. Right. And he doesn't – they don't bring them in. Yeah, but I I do think the the issue there is just the cost. Like Courtney Upshaw might at least be cheap. You know, I I mean I I kind of get with the pass rushers that were available just because of the cost. I think for pass rushers they have to go draft. I don't. I just don't really think they have options that are too feasible on the free agency market for pass rushers. Well, you you can't go the project route again. I mean. Like, I get it. I mean, it, it, we all want pass rushers, and we, we all also want them. I mean, yes, they should try and turn over every every rock, but I, I just don't see the pass. Like, you look at the the, you know, the list of, of pass rushers that are available or, or edge guys that are available. Um, you know, you look at, like, the top guys. Like, PFF, all right, so PFF's list of top edge defenders, right? You've got uh, Ayers from the Giants, who is a 4-3 guy. Got Hayes from the Rams, who's another four three guy. Uh Shelby from the Dol I mean, none of these guys even fit what they like Greg Hardy, Nick Perry from Green I mean, none of these guys fit what they want from an outside linebacker. So I, I just don't know where they, they go from here. I mean, Alden Smith is like the only I mean, maybe you get you you reform Alden Smith, but <laughs> Can I be honest with you? If they hadn't been so dead set on just totally changing everything about the team when the changeover happened, they would be miles ahead if they had just stuck with a 4-3. Yeah. They would have, like, Freeney and Mathis were fine. They they cut off their own ability to have a pass rush just to get to this 3-4 that's not working. Yep. And I love Vontae Davis, but he's not you cannot build a defense around him. You have to build a defense around the pass rush. And the longer the, the longer you go without the pass rush, the less productive he's going to be as a player. Like, he's going to get older. Yeah. You're wasting the best parts of his contract. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, people were down on Vontae last year, but, but really, to me, it was just that pass rush. It was so bad. I and mean, then nothing. You can have the best cornerback in the world. It doesn't matter. Like, first of all, it doesn't matter if you have Greg uh, Greg Toller on the other side. And Darius Butler, I don't know what's going on with him, but sometimes yes, sometimes no. But what, he can only do one guy. <laughs> he can only cover one guy. <laughs> he can do whatever he wants, but he can only cover one guy. <laughs> and so that, that presents problems 
like when there's four other players eligible to receive passes. So and the pass rush is a killer. Like there has to be priority one, and kind of goes back to what you and I I know were in agreement on this six and ten, and picking eighth overall or ninth overall, much easier to get a a good pass rusher than where the eighteenth, right? Yeah. It just mm. like if you make the playoffs, fine, but you didn't make the playoffs, and now you're you're drafting ten spots later. It's painful. Well. Right. So, I mean, their only shot to is like at a pass rusher this year, realistically, is if, you know, a character concerned guy like Spence drops. So, um, you take the risk, yeah, right? Mean, to me, I mean, I don't I don't really know. Like, the top 30 is, you know, is a pass rusher. Um, but I, I don't think anyone should be getting their hopes up that that's actually going to happen. This this offseason, uh, unless they draft a guy, you know, a second or third round guy who develops really well. I mean, which it's unlikely. It, it happens, but it's unlikely. Honestly, I I don't. New, Jonathan Newsom must have done. Uh, it it had to be more than just you know the whatever it was. The was it DUI or? I don't know. It was just smoking the weeds. I don't know. I mean, I so I to me that I mean they got once they dropped him, they didn't have they didn't have any options in terms of Cole coming back. It was they had, they had to have somebody there. And like I said, I just don't see it being particularly likely that they get a body this year that's going to be particularly effective. The only real option is a development to develop somebody from the draft, and that's that's going to take time. So expect a bad defense next year. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> They can get away with it for another year. Like even if Houston gets Osweiler, I was never good. Please overpay Osweiler. I was never impressed with him in the games I saw. I don't. I don't think anyone in the AFC South is going to have a daunting offense. But I, I feel like the, the entire Andrew Luck era is becoming this. Well, we'll make the playoffs because AFC South. What if that's a waste. That's a waste of Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. It's it's sad. Like it, you're you're right. You're not getting a body who can rush the passer. Like who's going to come in this year and do have an, a bigger impact than probably what Newsom had in his rookie year. He he had an unexpected impact. You're probably mm-hmm. not getting a guy who does way more than that. So you're not going to be good this year. You're hopefully going to be good next year if he even uses the first round pick on the or a high pick on a pass rusher. What if he goes out and picks Elliot? Like, are you going to lose your mind? Eh, yes and no. I mean, that's a good conversation to be had too. I I just think, um, you know, this is the free agency podcast. I yeah, guess. But I just well, but the, the I don't know where you're getting the pass rush. That's all I'm concerned. It depends about. on it. Depends on who's available to me, right? I mean, if there is like a legitimate. Um, well, you know, pass rusher that has a that does have a good profile that's that's available, even if it is a character guy like Spence. Yeah, I'd be upset. Um, I do think Elliot is a really talented and and there's a potential for like franchise player kind of guy. Um, and I but I I still don't think he's like a must pick if he's available. Some people do because of the you know the running back in the first round curse or whatever you want to call it, just lack of efficiency in terms of using your draft picks. Um, I'm not totally 
like against using a first round pick on a guy like that, just because the Colts, I do think the Colts need a dynamic presence on offense to help luck out. And if that was a receiver, I'd be fine with like, if, if Dorsett had turned out to be that player, then I'd be at like, you know, or even just a good enough player to give them a little more support. I, I think I'd be fine with, I'd be more like, no, they don't need a running back. Um, but like I said, I just see the I see the value there. But to me, the running back position still isn't valuable enough um, to prioritize it. Even prioritizing a a good potentially great player like Elliott over the potential to get a uh, you know a good pass rusher or even like a, a top cornerback or um, like if Marcus Peters was available at eighteen this year, if that kind of guy was available, I'd be like all over that. Okay, or so Desmond me, Trufant from 2000, whatever that was. Anyway, give, give me give me your thoughts on where they get, wind up going tomorrow. Like who they look at. I honestly, there just hasn't been much news in regards to them. I think guys like Upshaw makes sense. I don't think you're going to see any any high profile splash picks just because they don't have the money like they haven't had in the past. I mean, they they have a decent chunk, but I mean, you look at the money that's going to be thrown around. Um, I. They just don't have it, especially not after draft, uh, after signing Allen and having Lux contracts continue to inch ever closer. Um, I think they go they go with a couple, probably maybe two or three, and I don't even know if this will happen tomorrow as much as down the road. Um, but you know, the, I think these are going to all be very low profile signings. I, I don't see them making a splash like they have, especially. I mean, especially not like they did last year, but. I'm fully okay with what they did last year. I mean, I feel like those were perfectly fine. They didn't work out. Okay, sucks. Free agency doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, to me, that was like they they swung for the fences, and it backfired. But I I completely understood the logic of what they were doing at the time, and they protected themselves well enough in terms of the contracts that it you know they're not bitten in in the butt too much long term. The the issue last year was luck being hurt, and when he wasn't officially hurt who wasn't good i mean it looks good it makes last year look so much different i mean andre johnson's more productive frank gore is definitely more productive um and overall the team is just in a better position to compete and it makes everybody look better so let's talk about luck there's two different things to discuss one is jason cole from i think he's with bleacher report now put out a report that there's a lot of concern within the Colts organization about Andrew Luck's shoulder. The shoulder was the original injury, not the kidney. Uh, I don't have a high opinion of Jason Cole. I haven't like for years, but I don't. This isn't the kind of thing you put out there unless someone told you. I don't think like this is really strong to put out there. And Bleacher Report nowadays is pretty reputable, so or very reputable with the people they have working for them. So, what are your thoughts on this report? Okay, I worked for Bleach Report for a long time. I, I do have a lot of respect for Bleach Report as a company and for a lot of people who work there. But Jason Cole puts out the most, um, how do I put this, that are most easily backtracked from. Everything that Cole puts out is basically a, this team uh, has interest in, or may this team might look at doing, like might look at this player, or this team makes sense to look at this player. Like there is nothing that concrete that comes out of any reports from Jason Cole. 
vague, um, non-committal stuff. Yeah, it's it, like last year. It was all like there was all kinds of stuff about the Colts maybe being one of the teams that we're going to be interested in in Sue, right? And um, there've been or or Greg Hardy was another one that was like the Colts have reportedly expressed or have report you know whatever all the the like um, buzzwords that are that go with it, uh, and nothing ever came of any of those those big reports at all. And so it was like to me. This is another one of those. Like, well, yeah, of course the teams are concerned. I mean, they should be concerned about all of this injuries he had last year. And the shoulder of for any quarterback is going to be the one that you worry about long term. I'm mean, sure they're they're worried about it. But the question is, is it does their worrying about it? Is it actually any at any level that would impede them from signing him long term? And I think that I don't I don't think there's any question that they're going to sign him long term. So to me, I, I don't. I and, and the other question is, is this actually going to affect him long term? And again, there's nothing in this report that says the Colts believe that this could affect him long term or that, uh, you know, he's had a setback in his rehab. Like when that report comes out, that Andrew Lux had a setback in his recovery or something along those lines, you know, that will concern me. To me, you had Matt Hasselbeck who wanted to play football and the team loved reportedly. You don't, if you have a, this was my count under the report. If you have a concern that you, he's not the first guy you say good, goodbye to, you're keeping him around for another year because you've bought into the fact that he can be a backup. Is that logic crazy? No, no, I'm with you. Uh, okay. Because that that's the first thing. It didn't even, immediate reaction was, well, why would they let all of their quarterbacks go then? I, I don't think his shoulder looked 100% last year, but it it certainly looked good enough when he was beating the Broncos, right. one of the only teams to do that last year. Like, I don't know. It would have had to have gotten worse after the kidney issue. So, I am concerned that they haven't signed him yet, though. Do you think it's a, a money issue? Like, do you think he's trying to set records here? Um... Well, he's going to set records anyhow. Do you think it's just how high he sets the yeah, ball? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there, there's a lot going on in this contract. Um, the fact that he didn't, that he was hurt last year and hurt in a couple different ways, um, and that his play suffered so much every whenever he played. Like, I mean, he played relatively well in that Broncos game. But other than that, I mean, that's the whole the whole the whole season was a night for him. What, what, there's a lot of like ifs, ands, and buts in there, but um, to me, it's there's just so much going on with this contract. I mean, they it's gonna take a while. It's I if they'd come out, I'd be I would have been really surprised if they would have come out with his his contract right right off the bat, just because there's so much going on. Luck's trying to get paid. They are gonna set records. Um, Ursay obviously wants him to be paid and paid well, um, but at the same time they are trying to protect their interests. I mean, if he does get hurt again, if he does, if, if this poor play isn't just a, an aberration, if he actually like continues down that, that path, whether it's a, you know, failure to develop him as coaches, which I think is part of that conversation as well, or not, you still have to protect yourself against that long term. So. You protect yourself, but I don't think you play super hard ball with him either. Like you, you don't. Right. No, I agree. I agree. But I mean, I like I said, I still think that that 
takes time. That's fine. That's fine. I just I hope they don't. They aren't going like training camp with this. I'd be a little concerned if that starts happening. I mean, he's he's under contract, so it doesn't matter. He's playing for the Colts next year, but I hope they get it worked out long term. Yeah. Although, wouldn't it be slightly funny? And Colts fans are going to hate me. I'm sorry, but I'm only doing this as a as a human, not a Colts fan. It would be slightly funny if something were to happen with this whole luck thing and you end up with the greatest draft ever for quarterbacks ending up with both of them no longer being with their teams. Ugh. That would just be weird, funny. I'm not hoping it happens, but it would just the hype around those two. And then I guess both probably derailed by injuries. It's kind of sad, but Okay. Um, let me see. Before, okay, we'll do Twitter questions now. Before we get to other stuff, I think we've covered Chuck Pagano's love for running the ball and stopping the run enough, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Laura asks, "How much can the Colts really afford to spend in free agency?" Well. I think Kyle covered my feelings. I, I agree with his feelings on this, but they have $51 million in cap space, I think I saw. I, w- I looked it up, and now I'm trying to find the tab again. 31 is what? Spot is it 31? Is. Okay, then yeah. 31. Sorry, 31 million. I don't know if that's before or after the Allen contract, though. I think that's before because it doesn't – when I go to the team, it doesn't have Allen on here. So I think oh. that's before the Allen contract. They had 31 in space. And when I'm under out, well, see, they list the transactions on the side. Okay, let me see. Let me see if I can find. I think one it. More. I think they're just waiting for the full numbers before they, because they don't know exactly what his cap it's going to be this year. Yeah, I agree because they don't have anything. When you click on Allen, they don't have anything worked out for. Right. Okay. Right. They don't have any numbers for Allen. So if you assume it's a flat, what is a 29 divided by four, seven and a half? Yeah. So over the cap has him uh, at just under 9 million for this year for his cap number, which again, that could be fluxed depending on what is, what the numbers come out to be, but that's probably similar. So, I mean, that would put them at 144 or 141 for this year. So it would give them um, what, how much in cap space, like 20, uh, 19. Yeah, and theoretically, theoretically, uh, you could bring down Andrew Luck's hit, although I doubt it. It'll get lower. It's 16 uh, from the um, franchise. Oh, yeah. It's not a franchise, franchise, the option year. Yeah. So, okay, uh, real quick, Ryan wants to know, how much of Dwayne Allen's contract will be paid in poker chips? <laughs> Grit coins. Grit coins. So they have nine, somewhere between 19 and I think a, a range of 19 and 22-ish. Yeah, after, that's probably, that, that, that seems right. After the deal is done today. This might be after um, Minitary's contract too, the over-the-cap numbers, which would make more sense, but I'm not sure. 
Okay. I don't see about so, here actually. Maybe not. I I agree with Kyle. I don't think you're going to see too many big things. Too many big signings. Obviously, they they're going to get a quarterback somewhere because they have none. Gaster Charles cost six million against the cap this year. Sorry, that just five point eight. We'll signing. Didn't he play last year for Tampa? He for like yeah, for Tampa. Um, is he is he not like capable of playing at all? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't watch any Tampa games. <laughs> Actually, I was yeah. at the Tampa Tampa and Colts game, but. I didn't watch the Tampa side. <laughs> Holy moly. Their second highest paid player in terms of cap hit is dead cap. Oh, no, no. I lied. I, no. I'm sorry. Third highest, Hilton. right? Or no, no, no. <laughs> it, it's in the top five, though. So the top five. Oh, no, wait. It it beats out Anthony Costanzo. It is the third highest. Does beat out Anthony Costanzo? Yeah. They have nine nine 9,942,000, and Costanzo's hit is 9,800,000. <laughs> yeah! Oh, I was looking at the... Oh, yeah, the spot rec one, for some reason, has less for Werner. I don't know why that is. Way to go, dead cap. Well, that's good for. Uh, oh, Andre Johnson. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Glad we're looking forward to it already. <laughs> See, so I was talking to uh, Brent, used to write for Colts Authority, and mm-hmm. and he mentioned the well, the Colts are always good at structuring contracts. Yeah, but at some point in time. I don't want my main focus on, hey, when are we going to cut this guy that they just signed? <laughs> like, how about we just focus on, hey, they just got a guy, they signed him to a contract, and I'm going to watch him play for four years. Walden's going to be the guy who lasts, the guy who was laughed at the most. He definitely will be, like, without question. <laughs> he's the only one who's living, like, he's the cockroach in all of this. The nuke went off, like, everyone was laughing. Oh, you, you did what? He is the only one surviving Grigson's cuts. The only one. And he's the one who wouldn't, if you cut him, had no dead cap. Like, it's, he's the one that should have been cut years ago, but he, Greg is going to be like, I showed you all. Ha ha. F you. But he's not totally wrong. Like, Walden was the only no. one who actually played semi-well and yeah, in his role. I, I agree. He's, he's been much better, especially he's gotten better. If you want to point to someone who's actually improved under Chuck Pagano, the list is short. But Walden is actually, I, I believe, getting better. His biggest issue is he flies off the handle sometimes. He does. He's he's or, always the guy. If there's anybody who is in the middle of a scrum, it's him. We need a bad penalty. Hey, Walden. Go. Oh, all right. Somebody's got to. Theoretically, they could also have. They could get some extra room. They they have some guys they could cut. Too, if they need it. They could clear up some Arthur Jones space, some Dequell Jackson space. There's there's space to be had, but I just don't see them needing it. So let's see yeah, other questions. This is this is like one of the most boring uh pre free and this is gonna be one of the most boring free agency podcast times that we've had in the last few years, sadly. We don't get to talk about Andre Johnson and uh, uh, Frank Gore. We don't get to talk about Gosdrich Harrelis. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. 
Uh, Ryan asks, who would win in a fight, Bjorn Werner or Trent Richardson? I already answered this on Twitter. You can you can you can go with this. I mean, I go? think I think Trent Richardson would definitely win in a fight. Bjorn Werner is like the least intimidating person I can think of that has played for the Colts outside of Adam Vinatieri, but he's like a dad present, so he still kind of intimidates me. Gilbert Gardner. <laughs> so my response was that Bjorn just says, "Hey, I play defense," and then Trent falls down. Is that that's true? That is that, that not how the fight goes? I mean, Trent Richardson definitely wouldn't see Bjorn Werner coming. <laughs> Right in front of him. <laughs> I hear rumbling. What is that? He would like he would like see the you know the one fist cocked back, and and he would head towards that direction. And you know he's a running back, so Werner might you know might would it's not like he'd avoid him like a quarterback. Okay. Laura asks also with reported transition to zone blocking, what does that really mean for current future offensive line? It means they're going to be using zone blocking. You're welcome. That <laughs> that is true. Welcome to the Colts Authority Radio free free agency podcast. Hashtag analysis. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it I the only thing that I can think of that it might that it might actually help is um you know some of the the guys they brought back in in the 2013 draft um, Holmes and and Thornton both were guys that at the time people said might fit better in his own blocking scheme. Um, but I don't know that that's really true from what we've seen from them. I th- I do think it's kind of, it is an, an attempt though to make some of the pieces they have work, particularly those, those younger interior linemen that they're still trying to save face with. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they do in the draft. I think that that really remains to be seen. For the record, the only but, one who, Yes, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say I think uh, Costanzo will be fine. So, yeah, that's I all I care about. The the only thing that I do there is one guy that is on the free agency market that could be a, a decent pickup for them in terms of because they're moving to his own blocking and it's um oh what's his name? He was I want to say he was yeah he was in Houston Brandon Brooks um he was he 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 did a a really good job um prior to last year. And uh, I think if they, if he gets into his own, if the Colts are going into his own, more of his own scheme, he's someone who could be um, a relatively reasonable signing in terms of money that could uh, bounce back and play well in a in a more zone heavy scheme. So um, he's a guy like PFF highlighted, I know. Um, and I think, I, I think too, the other thing is I would like to see them get a guard in free agency so that they can really focus on defense in the draft. Outside of Ezekiel Elliott, obviously. Who plays right tackle next year? Who who comes out of camp as the starter? I think they either draft a tackle high, like first round high, or it's Reitz. Reitz. So, Muhort definitely a guard? Muhort definitely a guard. Uh, The only other option I think would be good, because they they do like good a lot. What would be good? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> <That's man. all> good. 
I know you weren't serious, but somebody listening to the podcast didn't know who I was talking about because it's Denzel Good. <laughs> I was just hoping I could get you, but you you picked up on it right away. That oh well. <laughs> Dan, Daniel asks when the Colts give an awful upfront money when when they give awful upfront money to Walden 2.0 parentheses Upshaw should I cry? Well, I think it's healthy to cry all the time anyhow. Like. It helps cleanse the body of negative emotions, even positive emotions. You just need that release sometimes. Uh, I like to wake up and look in the mirror and cry just about every day. So, you know, whether or not they sign up, Shaw, I think you should give it a try. My uh, body is is on a schedule at this point that every, you know, <laughs> or every March, there's just a, a cleansing period for the tear ducts. <laughs> Must be a new new league year. <laughs> uh, Ever since 2012, man. He go, he goes on to say, uh, it's more serious. How does Thornton fit in with the new scheme? Also, with recent Griggs comments regarding defense at the combine. Uh, I don't know what did Griggson say about defense at the combine. I guess I could look that up. So yeah, I you don't talked about Thornton being a head. I know he he put he put a lot of um he put emphasis on defense, but I don't know what if what in particular that is referring to. Um, Thornton, that was what I was talking about a minute ago when we was talking about the uh, zone blocking thing with with Thornton and Holmes. I think Thornton especially more so than Holmes, I think probably could be well suited to a zone blocking scheme. At least that's what we talked about when when they were first drafted. Because one of the things that was talked about both of them, if I remember correctly, was that they had you know they had quick feet, um, and Thornton had a lot of raw strength, um, and so that the zone blocking schemes could be helpful for both of them, just because it doesn't didn't require as much um, athleticism from a like pulling guard standpoint, but it required that that quick feet, um, the ability to use that strength, you know, just one way without having to worry about necessarily the change of direction as much. Um, I, I don't know. So I, I don't really, I, I, from what we've seen from Thornton, I think he struggles with a lot of things and uh, mentally. And so how much that's affected by the zone blocking scheme, I'm I'm not, you know, a hundred percent sure on. Um, but I do think he probably more than anybody else, this, if I had to pick one guy that like, this was like, okay, the Colts want to do more zone stuff because it will work better for this guy. I would say Thornton is probably, probably the top guy on that list. Okay. I found the Grigson quotes pertaining to defense. I will read them now. I don't have a Ryan Grigson voice, so I will use my own voice. I think the old adage is if you have 12 pass rushers, go get 13, but it's easier said than done. The draft this year, there are some players. It's not personally, in my opinion, as thick as you'd like. (laughs) <laughs> but those guys come at a premium. They go really high in the draft. Those pure edge rushers are the ones who command the big dollars, the ones who are in everybody's first-round mocks. I think everybody knows how important a pass rush is, and we've got to build that and do it through the draft for the most part. Boy, that's depressing. He didn't say the old adage is, if you have zero, find one. Maybe if you got to 12, it'd be okay. I don't know. <laughs> you know what really upset me, though? Like, Pagano's comment, Von Miller ain't fallen out of the sky. 
That doesn't mean you don't look for him, though, dude. Like, eh, we can't get Von Miller. Hey, Courtney! <laughs> come here! You All don't right. have a scheme. <laughs> we couldn't uh, find I, one. We got the next but, he's, but he's right, too. I think, to some extent, Pagano, I mean, and with that comment, he he's just... Like, he wants to set the bar for expectations low because they don't have, like I said, I was saying earlier, they don't have a great shot at getting, uh, you know, a great uh, pass rusher. They they just don't. The, the situation is not one that is uh, bodes well for them in, in that regard. And that was why I wanted them to, to, I wanted them to tank the end of the season because I didn't, I, I didn't want to end up being eight and eight and picking 18. I, I wanted to, you know, end up six and 10 and, Picking twelve or whatever it would have been. So, um, it, it, I mean, it is. It's relatively, like I said, I, I just think it's unlikely they end up with that guy after this off season. Um, so I don't, I can't fault Pagano too much for for setting the expectations low. We're in year, we're in year five of building the monster. <laughs> think, think really low, guys. Uh. John asks, why are the Colts not re-signing Freeman and who's going to replace him? Well, Kyle went into why not. Who's going to replace him? I don't know. Can we clone DeQuell Jackson? <laughs> You'd have two Pro Bowlers. They'll probably, has to, probably, probably Irving replaces him if they don't draft a guy. Sion Moy never did anything. I'm sure they'll draft a guy. That seems like a... Middle linebacker is easier to draft than... Other linebackers. You don't need to use a top pick to get a a passable middle. You could get, you could draft a Dequell Jackson lookalike with not a top pick. If that's the bar we're setting for middle linebackers, I think you can find that without like a top third round, like first three round pick. No, okay. Sorry, I'm looking at at snap counts from uh, linebackers last year. <laughs> oh. Okay, Daniel asks. I'll I'll just answer these. If you hear something you like, then you just jump in. But I can I can answer everything with no accuracy. How excited <laughs> should I be that we are not going tackle with the first pick? First of all, how do you know we're not doing that? Do you think the regime has turned a, turned the corner? I think. I feel a little comfortable saying I feel like Ryan Grigson has turned like part of a corner. He's like peeking around the corner. I don't know if he's taken like a full step around the corner. He's looking. He's like, oh, oh, there's something behind this wall over here. Let me, oh, pass rush. Ooh, deep ball. Like he sees the stuff over there. I don't know if he's walking to it or if he's just looking from a, maybe he's like, maybe he's like a peeping Tom. He's like, hey, pass rusher, what you wearing? But he's looking. Pagano, Pagano's like, look, he, he doesn't know that there is a corner. He's just staring at the wall. <laughs> and that wall was built in 1972 by the Steel Curtain. It's the Steel Curtain wall. It's He's just looking at the 1970 Steelers. He's like, that's, that's a fine wall. I love this wall. So... I think the GM is turning a corner. I think the coach, whatever. <laughs> people are going to like. People already think I'm a troll. People are going to be like, "Stop talking about Chuck Pagano. What have you ever done with your life?" I don't know nothing. What the? 
does that have to do with anything? I don't like Chuck Pagano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe asks, will Adam Vinatieri play until 50 or 60? You know what? I don't think this is his last contract. So... I thought his last contract was his last contract, and it wasn't his last contract, so this probably isn't his last contract. Right. Like, What's he going to be, 44 when this is over? Older? He is 43 right now, so this contract is going to be 40. He'll be 45 when this contract's through. It was a two-year deal, right? So he really could make it. I don't think he'll make it to 50, but... I wouldn't be shocked if he made it to, like, 47. Right-ish? Yeah. I really don't think this is... Like, I didn't see... It's got to happen eventually, and he's the one to do it. I did not see anything last year that made me think he was getting worse. No, not at all. He may have started out shaky, but... He at, by the end of the season he was perfectly fine and uh, okay here okay look okay he, in two in 2014 Vinatieri signed a two year deal for five million dollars at 41 years old in mm-hmm. 2016 he signed a deal for two year a two year contract for six million dollars at 43 like how many 40, Probably, I don't think this has ever happened before where a 41-year-old has signed a two-year deal and then gotten more money on the same deal two years later at 43. Like, that's that's crazy. It is crazy. So, I'm, I'm in his stats right now. I guess I'm underselling him a little because he has kicked his long the longest in his career was in 2002 he kicked a 57 yarder but last year was a 55 yarder which was his longest since 2002 like the dude in 2007 his longest field goal was 39 yards could you imagine the <laughs> amount of explosive force in Chuck Pagano's head you didn't kick a field goal longer than 39 yards what were you doing Did he attempt one longer? I don't know. Let me see. Two thousand and he only attempted twenty nine in two thousand and seven. Well, see That's... the issue with with Vinatieri, I thought you know, especially like two years ago when I was thought he was declining thing, um, was all I could think about was two thousand nine when they had Matt Stover couldn't kick oh, a, a field goal longer than 40 yards, and so they kept getting stuck in this no-man's land. I won't make people re- relive Wow. That, well, you just but... made me relive the Super Bowl, man. Yeah, wow. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Okay, that, was, that was insensitive. <laughs> you, know why, you know why you thought he was done two years ago? Because they made him attempt 40 field goals. Why would you do that to a 41-year-old? He attempted 74 kicks. Jeez. Oh, no, yeah, 74 between field goals and extra points. Wait, last year was 81. No, no, 2014 was 81. And then last year was much better. It was only 50. I shouldn't do math on radio. Yeah, but that's just because they weren't scoring last year. (laughs) Well, but but he should be more fresh. (laughs) 
Uh, making this work. Don't worry. Okay. So, uh, more questions. Should, uh, Clay asks, should the Colts just use McAfee as their backup quarterback? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let's, we haven't talked about Matt Hasselbeck yet. Well, let me finish the questions, and then we'll talk about Hasselbeck. Okay. Okay. I'm not... Uh, we're not doing that. Uh... Hold on. No. Wait. Okay. Adam asks, if Freeman doesn't re-sign, is Raglan a possibility at 18? Well, I don't know. I don't know the draft. You, Kyle, is is Raglan? Yes. Okay. Would you do that? I don't know. He's not... Um, he's more run-focused than I would like. Uh, I, mean, I would like a guy who's a little more well-rounded and more, if anything, more of a coverage-focused linebacker, but um, I think for Indianapolis, it's absolutely a possibility. And even with Ragland, I haven't done enough film study of draft X this year to really, you know, to have uh, I, even to have an opinion that I would really trust on specific prospects. But I would say any linebacker, any middle linebacker that has a, uh, you know, that has a relatively high um, projection or whatever um, wouldn't be a, a terrible pick in terms of that 18 spot just because it's an important position and they haven't had one in so long that like a dynamic you know, franchise kind of linebacker. Gary Brackett's the closest thing they've had to a top-end middle linebacker. And don't get me wrong, I like Gary Brackett, but yeah. Okay, We, we have a, a pack of questions here. Uh, Sashin asks, have you ever swam in a canal? No. One realistic yes. FBA, uh, free agent. Have you really? Well, I grew up in, in Arizona, so there's a lot of canals. And we swam in them sometimes. Oh. Were you ever with Pat? I wasn't with Pat. Oh, okay. I wasn't drunk either. No. It wasn't nearly as fun, probably. We should be drunk right now. <laughs> one one realistic free agent signing for the Colts, well, probably Upshaw. I think a guy of that caliber, anyway, that, yeah. Just go go through, go to spotrack.com, S-P-O-T-R-A-C.com, go to the Baltimore Ravens, click on free <laughs> agents, and then just pick, like, three guys from there, random guys, and I'm all three will be signed by the Colts. It doesn't matter. Uh, is Oakland AFC contender or not? Nah? I said nah on Twitter, but I don't know. I do think Denver is going to take 14 steps back. So, but I think probably uh, Kansas City wins that division. Yeah, um, probably. I don't know. I wouldn't say contender, but I think they have a high chance of making the playoffs as a wild card. I think we're about to enter the era of Tom Brady winning four more Super Bowl rings, but whatever. Uh-huh. I think that is uh, is that it for the questions? It is. Okay, so Matt Hasselbeck. Uh, I feel very... I'll I'll say mine first and then you can go. I feel bad for him. I really hate the way the team 
just sucked him dry. Like, they just abused his body for nothing. They didn't get into the playoffs. They killed the guy, figuratively, obviously. I, I feel horrible for him. I know he wanted to play again. I, I'm shocked that he's actually going into broadcast. Um, happy for him. I'm I'm glad he's doing that and not playing again because I feel I just he took a beating last year and it got progressively worse every game and it was like please I'm fearful for the next hit those are my thoughts yeah I think it was time um, and I don't think I mean, we've talked about this and there was last year was like a weird and because at first it was like, okay, he's actually good enough to win a couple games if you're quarterback, you know, if you're playing the FC South <laughs> and your quarterback is out for two games. But then the whole, so it was like a little bit of, you know, for me, it was like a little bit, okay, okay, you know, there's, you know, he, he can still have his moments. Um, maybe we were a little overblown about the whole, like, they're paying a backup quarterback way too much money thing. Um, and then the inevitable happened where we talked about your quarterback probably isn't going to only miss two games in a season and you're probably not going to have to just, you know, carry the, you know, whatever you want. I can't think of the phrase I'm thinking of anyway. You're probably not going to have to just win two games without him against terrible teams. You're probably going to have to do more than that if your quarterback actually gets hurt and it's actually an issue. And that was what happened, and turns out, like we figured, it wasn't plausible. So it just—it was time for it all to end. We need to stop paying a—they're not going to have money to continue to pay a backup quarterback. You know, uh, was it like five million dollars a year or three million dollars a year? I think it was mm-hmm. five, but it was five. Um, like they just, especially with Lux contract coming up, they don't have—they don't like—they're already going to be putting twenty-five million dollars a year into the quarterback position something like that. So they don't have, they don't have the money to put another 5 million into it a year. Uh, it just, it was time. I, I don't think, I think it was really the only logical way to go. So there's a, there was a few people that were upset on Twitter and it was, it just blew my mind. Like it, I, I don't think that that was ever a plausible scenario to bring him back on another contract. The Matt Hasselbeck outrage reminds me of hashtag Chuck stay. <laughs> Guys, it was probably like, the same group. It's just, why are we so emotionally attached to? I don't know. I don't. I don't want to like say something wrong here. But what? What is? What did Matt Hasselbeck do that everyone's like? I mean, I think he's a good guy, and he did much better than I thought he did. But my gosh. Let it go. Backup quarterback. You have Andrew Luck. Like people, someone actually wrote, someone actually paid someone to write a column that said, if the Colts make the playoffs, they should play Matt Hasselbeck. Like time to move on. <laughs> Good golly. Uh, if they hadn't played Matt Hasselbeck, they'd have the eighth pick. But Freeman and Lindley probably win them <laughs> nine games. <laughs> okay, Let's, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm glad he's going to be replacing Ditka, who 
is as coherent as I am right now. So <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's I think a win uh, he'll be. I think he'll be really good at with broadcasting. Yeah, and the, he the did one a really good job in that one game he did, like during the Colts bye week or whatever it was. I missed that, but I believe you. He, and he I'm, did like I'm a game with, with NFL. Either it was on NFL Network or it was like a, um, like you know fourth, fourth string. Uh, CBS game or something like that. Can't remember. That's awesome. Um. So the other thing that bothered me was the whole. Well, he's a mentor to Luck. Well, then pay him to be the quarterbacks coach because I thought that that's what that job was. Like, if you want him to be a mentor and you want to pay him five million dollars, make him a coach. He'd be pay. He'd be making more than Pags. But hey, who cares? <laughs> I just I don't I don't buy into like mentor stuff. I think Andrew Luck's a professional who can figure stuff out. Although, you know, they did lose his actual quarterback coach, so maybe it'll be an issue. I don't know. I mean, we can get into that at a later time, but I I think I, I haven't been overly impressed with Andrew Luck's development. So I do think it's a concern. I mean the the mental aspect. He supposed he was touted as the smartest person ever, and I don't know if he's any more than like the third smartest person ever. So I'm pretty concerned. <laughs> His decision making is weird sometimes. Yeah, no, it is, and not just like decision making within the play, but like pre-snap stuff. Um, like I know he can handle more than most quarterbacks. I think it's like the um, the you know elite mental guy at least from what like from what results would say you know it's it's hard to know because um, we have you know so little we have so so little perspective on terms of what they do and what kind of responsibilities they have and I know Andrew Luck is a really smart quarterback um, and and unique in that way. But it, it's kind of like how, um, you know, people have said the same thing about Christian Hackenberg in college football, um, that he is a, one, of the smarter, one of the smartest college football quarterbacks there are right now, and he has a lot of responsibility at the line. Um, but the results still aren't there. And so, to me, like Hackenberg, and I don't want to turn this into a Hackenberg thing, but you can be smart at the line and still be fooled a lot. And so if, if you if you have a lot of responsibilities at the line and you take on more than most quarterbacks, um, but you still are, are getting fooled and, and blitzes are still getting you know free rushers through and you're still not hitting the hot reads quick enough to, to have an offense that can beat blitzes, um, you're still having issues, then maybe that all those, those and all that intelligence is just working against you. I mean, it's kind of like to me. It's 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 actually similar to how like Dwayne Allen was used. Dwayne Allen was such a good blocker that the Colts started using him more as an extra tackle than as a tight end in a blocking role. So you start getting Dwayne Allen, you know, up against one on one against, um, you know, the Jared Allens of the world and and sometimes even defensive tackles. Um, and then you started seeing his blocking suffer because he's put into a role. He's he's being asked to carry more than he should be. And so then he's not great at what he's doing. He's just okay. And so, yeah, he can he can do more than the average tight end, but he's his performance is actually just middling. 
I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's just like you're overreaching in terms of what your your players actually have the ability to do. It makes sense. And for me, the biggest concern with Andrew Luck is under Pepperoni, like that had to be the the situation. It was perfect. It was the the offense he ran in college. A light bulb needed to go off. I'm concerned that it didn't. But then I, I have to I have to ask myself the question, how much responsibility does he have with the line? How how often is he allowed to get out of a run? How much control we talk about how Allen is used and we I think it's fair to say that there have been three offensive coordinators in Indianapolis and through three offensive coordinators we didn't like how any tight end was used. Right? Is that fair? Uh, except for Jack Doyle, he was great. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I thought like you look at what Fleener did under Arians in his rookie year. I don't, I don't think that we were necessarily displeased with that. Okay. Well, so let's only include years where Chuck Pagano was on the sideline. <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is I don't buy the fact that. Arians, uh, Pep Hamilton, and Chud all came in and were like, nah, I'm only going to use this dynamic player as a blocker. Okay, but I don't know that that's really fair to say for Chud because not 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 because he didn't have and not like he was a a captive a captor last year and he he couldn't do anything. I mean, he obviously had some control, but he could, I mean, there's offense still was based on certain principles that he wasn't changing with it being in the middle of the year. So I, I think we kind of have to get a, give a little bit of a pass to Chud. And I know I don't want to give a complete pass to him, but I do think we have to kind of put an asterisk there. I was giving him a complete pass. I'm not blaming the offensive coordinators. I'm saying that I don't think it's their fault. I think that it's something like the whole thing to me is I don't believe that it's them making these decisions. I don't know that any sane offensive coordinator would only fu- even under the constraints of the Pep Hamilton offense, you can find ways to get more than 29 targets. And it, I know it's not, tw- it was 29 targets for the year, but he had fewer than 29 targets in Chudinsky's Tenure. Like if you if you look at him and you go, this is a talented guy. You can find a way in Pep Hamilton's offense to get targets to the guy. Yeah, but I think you have to compare. I I don't think you can look at Dwayne Allen in those roles and just his numbers because you've got Fleener there, and so I think that that complicated things a lot because they the Colts as a team tried to like separate their roles a lot. And so, oh, and it was kind of like they were like, okay, Dwayne is is the blocking guy, and and Fleener is the receiving guy, and so they only got it was like they only got half of the production from either of them. I don't know if that makes any sense, but to me, it's like for one, they did get a good mix with Arians, and so I, like to me, Pep Hamilton is the only. So if you want to limit it to just when Chuck Pagano has been around, to me, it's like. Pep Hamilton is really the only guy we can attribute that to. So I just don't know if the, I've seen enough from Chud or from anybody other than, than Hamilton to say that it's not the offensive coordinator. Doesn't 
Doesn't Pep Hamilton like tight ends, though? I mean, he does, but that's what I'm saying is is he likes Fleener, right? I mean, like, Fleener was his guy at Stanford in that, um, you know, those the, the uh, like, run-heavy play-action sets down the seam. And without the run-heavy play-action sets, I don't know that, that uh, you know, the, that Hamilton really knew how to, to utilize the two. Like, he utilized the two well uh, in 2014. I mean, Allen's overall reception and yards numbers weren't great, but I mean, they had 16 touchdowns between the two and Fleener did have a, a decent amount of yards and receptions that year. And together they were, I mean, you add the two tight ends production together and they, I mean, that was a pretty good year. Yeah. Okay. Well, my concern is I don't know how much of this is a passing offense that the head coach allows to be a passing offense. And I don't know how much, I, I really don't know how much uh, responsibility Andrew has at the line. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I I know I've seen some people say like he's always switching into the wrong play. I don't. Maybe I don't know though. Like yeah, that's really hard to 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 know. I I don't. You even with Peyton, who I think has the most control ever. I I feel like most of his stuff was fake, or a, a very good portion of it. I just. I don't know, and I don't. I don't know but where you go from here with him because, like, there's there's multiple layers with luck that are an issue, right? It's not just decision making. Like, yeah, we we both think that there's problems there, uh, multiple layers of decision making. But his his throwing mechanics often seem like an issue, and his protection of his own body seems like an issue. Yeah, and I think there's there's some related issues too that could be kind of um that could be you, know, you could kill two birds with one stone with with coaching. Um but the the thing at the line is so dumb to me. Like there's so much that a quarterback is doing at the line on any particular play. I mean, you have um identifying the mic, you have identifying blitzes and blitzers and changing protections and and you know, figuring out hot reads for for receivers, and I mean, there's like so much that that can go on at the line that for somebody to say, oh yeah, he definitely switched into this play at this moment, and that was like, I, that is so difficult to, I mean, it is impossible to know without being on that coaching staff. I, I don't think um, even like opposing coaches, you know, opposing NFL coaches and staff could have a have a decent shot at doing it, but even then, like it is impossible to really know what's happening at that line of scrimmage without being on that team or on that coaching staff. So I, anybody who's a fan watching and saying they can identify exactly when things are, are being switched is, I don't know. So still love Andrew. I'm just concerned for a lot of reasons. I don't know where they go. Like I I don't see him coming in next year and taking that leap, right? Where just surefire, okay, this guy is the second best quarterback in the league. I thought it was surefire last year. Right, but now, me too. I thought that that was for sure what was going to happen, but now I don't. There is a lot more doubt in my mind. (laughs) I still think he's top 10, but 
I think that getting him that part of him being in the top ten is just his stick to itiveness. <laughs> like he just makes crap happen. Go to your room. Go to your room and think about what you've done. <laughs> but he really does. Like he makes stuff happen, and it's it's weird. Yeah. You I mean, can't... he's still really good, and you even even like talking about his mechanics. His mechanics are really good. It's just that he, because of the pressure that he takes, partially due to himself. I mean, and Peyton used to do this too. I, I mean, has always done this. Um, he does press like Peyton did, like any quarterback does when they receive pressure. And because he's received like an inordinate amount of pressure, partially because of his line, partially because of his offensive system, and partially just because that's the kind of quarterback he is, caused him to press more. And then he, he's gotten hurt, which is jacks things up even more. So I, I don't know, even like with his, his mechanics and stuff, the guy is, is one of the, the best quarterback prospects, uh, I mean, ever. So it's not like we're saying, you know, doom and gloom it's just that the you know what we saw last year was very concerning and very unexpected um and doesn't jive at all with the trajectory that we thought a guy with that kind of talent was going to take and there's blame to be put on all around and there's concerns all around for the staff to him to the, the team around him um you just can't have a team that goes from a Super Bowl contender from what a season that was supposed to be a Super Bowl contending year to a very disappointing eight and eight um, in a bad division with a lot of holes on the roster and not be concerned for that quarterback's development as a, a you know third year fourth year quarterback fourth year quarterback he was still why I maintain that he was injured coming out of preseason like. You don't go from where you were last year to where he was at the beginning of the year without, I don't know, Johnny Manziel's off-season schedule being involved or an injury. <laughs> and I, I, I'm hoping it was an injury. I guess maybe that's my mind trying to reconcile things. But I just, if he wasn't injured, man, okay. So, yeah, I agree. Like, one thing I do I do have an issue with is people people saying, "Oh, Luck didn't get hurt because of the offensive line." I agree. Like the hit he took against Denver was not on the offensive line. He took it like ten yards downfield, I believe. Like so, obviously that's not on the offensive line. However, the first two and a half, three seasons of his career, his body took pounding after pounding, and yeah, some of that is on him, but a lot of that was on a really really bad offensive line for the first like I remember the first season we were like hey uh, Arians maybe not so many uh, deep balls there bud because Andy might not be in one piece tomorrow I don't know so the line was really bad and those hits are cumulative like you can only take so many before the injuries start piling up I'm not putting all the blame on the offensive line but I do think Right. Okay. He got hit on a scramble. That's not on the offensive line. But the hits add up, and you, and the, eventually your body's going to wear down. So I do think that there is some blame there for people who don't think there's any blame. I, you can't continuously put a guy in that position. And I, it, to me, it shows that he's mentally strong because he didn't turn into Joey Harrington. <laughs> the uh, or, uh, the, the, the game against Denver to me was yeah was really encouraging in that regard. So. For me, he, he's got to learn to get rid of the ball. 
to slide. His ball sail a lot. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of stuff there you can work with. Chodzinski, I hope he gets it figured out. With Allen, you have a great safety valve. The one thing that needs to happen, you, you talked about Manning pressing, and Manning always, always wanted the home run. Tony Dungy came in and was like, yo, dog, you can dump off once in a while. And that, like, that, that not only made Manning a more efficient quarterback, but it added something to the to the offense that wasn't there before. Like, not everything was downfield, downfield, downfield. Now you actually have to worry about the running back or the tight end underneath. And it adds a dimension there that, that wasn't there. It's better for the quarterback. It's better for the offense. Someone needs to get to luck and, and tell him, you don't always need the 15 to 20 yard pass play or or longer or whatever. The the thing about that um is that those dump offs are way more effective if you have a dynamic running back. True. And that's where I don't totally hate a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, so then do you like trade back about seven, eight spots and then take him? I mean, preferably, yes. Uh, I'm just saying, in general, when you're talking about team, you know, strategy and team building, um, the Colts have not had that dynamic playmaker in that running back spot for luck, like like Peyton had at the running back spot early in his career. Um, and and it's not that you have to have that in order to develop into a good quarterback, but it does. I mean, I think it does really help you develop into those into that that mode of attacking down the field, but also being realizing that those dump offs can be a weapon, not like, not just an escape route. Like, okay, well I'm going to just bit, so I don't have to throw it downfield, but actually can be a legitimate weapon when used properly. Um, I mean, the Colts have had Trent Richardson catching the ball. They've had, uh, you know, Frank Gore is ancient catching the ball. And then they have their tight ends who have been not good after the catch at all. Um, Allen's had a couple moments um, after the catch on dump offs, but, uh, nothing that's like sustainable. So, I they haven't even have like had like a scat back kind of weapon that could really work, and that's why I've I've really wanted them to sign a second back that could be a like a legitimate threat. I mean, Dan Heron is probably the closest thing to that, and Luck used him pretty well in the the playoffs last year. Have you, so I remember a week, maybe two weeks ago, you were in conversation on Elliot, and I think you said you hadn't watched much of him have you watched a lot of any of him since then no okay no but from my understanding from talking to people and and um reading about him is that he is pretty complete um really good but i'm an ohio state guy so whatever right and i mean that's fine but i mean so just in terms of to me it's like just in terms of the conversation and the like the ideal idealism of it all if elliot is the back that people are are making him out to be to me um that he is a special back with or a special player in terms of running the ball but also i mean this is what what intrigues him to me or intrigues me about him um and regarding an early pick which i generally am very much not in favor of for running backs. Um, is that a complete back in terms of receiving and pass blocking is is a weapon in the passing game more so than just a, a running back, right, in terms of just running the ball. Um, and most of the arguments you'll get in terms of not having the value in a running back in the first round are regards to the 
replaceability in the rushing element of it. Um, one argument that I've seen a lot recently in terms of the replaceability of running backs is looking at like Marshawn Lynch uh, in Seattle and what happened when he went down in terms of Thomas Rawls, uh, even not even just Rawls, but also um, like DeWant was it DeWan Harris? I think was the other guy who was really valid, who like had a really good game there. There was another one. Like every Seattle running back basically had good rushing games. Um, but the issue was is that Marshawn Lynch was never like a huge part of like a huge threat in the passing game. I mean, he he could he could catch the ball, um, but he was not a, a one of the like natural receiving open field threat kind of guys. Um, so it's like to me, you get a guy like that. Um, a, a really well-rounded running back, and I think that does that does change things for your offense, and it do, it can change things for a quarterback. So I wouldn't totally I wouldn't totally be against the use of a running back pick in the first round if it was with a guy like that. And it wasn't. And again, we're talking about the 18th pick, not not the first pick, or you know, not a top 10 pick, not even a you know a top 12 pick kind of thing. That's which which would be a little different to me because then you have a chance to get a dynamic pass rusher or whatever. Okay, we have 15 minutes left. Do you want to do 15 minutes on whatever we're talking about now, or do you want to do 15 minutes on the guy who just retired? Let's do 15 minutes on the guy who just retired. Okay, so what are your thoughts on Calvin Johnson? <laughs> he was a really good in-his-prime player. Obviously, really good doesn't do him justice. Um, Insane that he—it feels like he's so young. He is. He played. He played half the time that Peyton played. Now thirty. I mean, he'll be thirty-one when the season starts. But crazy, crazy, crazy. A lot of a lot of retirements this year. So Peyton Manning. I'm I'm sorry. I start a joke and then I just go off. Uh, after. The forty-five minute lead-in, <laughs> best best retirement press conference ever. But the pre the forty-five minutes before that, holy cow, guys! I didn't even watch it. Okay, well here's what you missed: Gary Kubiak trying out for a pilot of a comedy show. Apparently, I mean Gary <laughs> Kubiak, who was with Peyton for nine months, spoke for fifteen or twenty minutes. Why? No one knows. Anyhow, Peyton, I thought, was spot on in his comments and awesome, great, whatever. He's, you, I you mean, saw his comments. He, yeah, he's always been a um, an orator. Mm-hmm. He he prepares his speeches well, he writes them well, he delivers them well. I mean, he's, it's not like he's a... Uh, he should be a professional speaker, but for a professional athlete to speak like he does is uh, is unique. The whole package. So um, it was very, I mean, it was, it hit all the right notes. It hit all the right people that it should have. I do wish, like you said, I, I do wish, I mean, selfishly, that his press conference could have involved more individuals that were more prominent in his career than, you know, the guys who have, have, you know, Gary Kubiak, uh, nine months, obviously, but even like the, the other Denver front office guys who have, you know, four years of an 18 year career. But I mean, that's what happens when you, when you move on at the end of a career like that. 
the only other the only other thing that could have happened would have been him re-signing with the Colts for a day, and and I, I just especially after the Super Bowl win, I just don't think that was ever really a. We we didn't speak after this. We haven't had a podcast since the Super Bowl. I thought he was good in their first game, and then progressively less and less good. By the by, the time the Super Bowl happened, obviously it was just all about the defense and him not turning the ball over. Uh, is it the greatest irony of all time <laughs> that the guy who was criticized for wins when his team around him was crappy got a got the career the the legacy cementing ring by doing jack squat? <laughs> um, will people find a way to? make it about him doing jack squat and change their entire opinion on what quarterback wins means now? What, like, how, how did you feel about the win? Like in, in the overall sense? Oh, I, I mean that it was a defensive win. I mean, it, it was a, it was a win by Denver's defense. Um, they have, they had one of the, the most incredible Super Bowl performances, but just one of the most talented defenses ever. I mean, that just absolutely loaded. Um, and I, I think in terms of what the quarterback's legacy is from that just depends on your perspective. I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's acceptable for a young quarterback to be a game manager. Um, but for an elite quarterback to be a game manager at the end of the career, it's like they're cheating to get a ring. Whereas the young, you know, the young player at the beginning of a career is like, that's like the natural process. And they, you know, they're, they're like, they're learning and they're, they're still developing into their career. But it's just like Peyton was so unique in that he took on so much at such an early age and still succeeded. It was, it was, I mean, at the time when we were watching it, right. I mean, I was a kid. I didn't even realize it at the time, but it it was it was incredible and so at the end of our career or at the end of his career for us to see him for those of us who have been rooting for him for his entire career to see him be able to not carry all that load and still succeed it was it was more of a he's earned this like he deserves this because he's had to put up with crap for so long um rather than the like, you know, he's taking the, you know, which is I think some of the perspective of others who have maybe or maybe not been rooting for a guy in Boston. It's funny, you look at the stats of his Super Bowl; they match up well with Elway's final Super Bowl. They match up well with Brady's first. Um, they're much better than Roethlisberger's first, for goodness' sake. Um, I don't think they win the Super Bowl with Osweiler playing. I don't think they make it there. Like I said, I thought he was really, uh, he being Peyton, was really good against uh, Pittsburgh. And then okay against uh, New England. I just, I I feel like if Gary Kubiak felt they could have won with Osweiler, they would have won with Osweiler because Gary Kubiak wanted Osweiler in there. And I think to say he had no impact getting them there is is totally wrong in trying to undersell him. I think it speaks 
people won't realize this, the, the people who talk about QB wins, I think it's poetic that the two Super Bowl wins he's won, or two Super Bowl wins he has on, on his resume, came in year in probably his worst playoff years. Had a really bad touchdown to interception ratio in 06, and obviously was at the, the very end of his career this year. And was in both years, was this year carried by a defense, and in 2006, supported by a defense, which is, duh, how it's supposed to be. I've never watched a quarterback win it all on his own, and I don't think anyone's ever said that. Like, we we say that quarterback is the most important position, but you still have to have the rest. And no one's ever said, just give me the... Go pay Peyton Manning $120 million and don't fill out the rest of the roster. You have to do that. You watch all the Brady Super Bowls, good defense. You watch the two Peyton ones, good defense. It's part of it. I, I'm, I, I don't think it detracts, but I also don't. I didn't need him to win it in my my own mind to to have his legacy cemented just because I've already felt he was the best, and I didn't. He could have had zero rings, and I would have felt that. So, I don't know. I'm happy for him. I'm glad he got it. I. It was. It's funny to watch him interact with the team afterwards, and I. I almost wonder if maybe the the well groomed, um, structured guy can kind of unwind unwind now, if he's not going to be a quarterback who has to, or maybe for some legal reasons at, at the time. Who knows? But keep everything so straight and clean and and everything. Maybe he can unwind and not be so I don't know what what the word I'm looking for is but everything with him is very very planned and thought out and maybe he can be a little looser now and I hope he can enjoy retirement like he got two like you don't have to you don't have to fret about what you left behind two is way more than most one is more than most but but two is good should have had three but two is good two is really 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 good and I'm so glad that he didn't go come back for another year because that would have been sad to me. I the one thing that bugs me is that is when you say that is like right because the whole you know he didn't win multiple Super Bowls thing you know first it was he didn't win the Super Bowl then it was he didn't win multiple Super Bowls and then now the thing is slash will be you know he won multiple Super Bowls but the second one was you know he didn't really do a whole lot but it, it's like every quarterback. Has, who wins multiple Super Bowls has at least one where they didn't do a whole lot. Like it's it's part of the thing. If you're a good, if you're a great quarterback, you're going to be on a lot of great teams, and you're going to be on some teams that you should have won one and you didn't, and you're going to be on some or one that uh, you maybe you didn't do well enough to win one, but the rest of the team did. Like I, the football being the ultimate team sport, that's just that's how how it goes. And obviously. Uh, are you going to write about it? Uh, I will write thing as a part of a, a group thing, probably. Oh. Okay. I mean, I'm not getting into the specifics, like, too emotional or too detailed of everything. I don't know if I'll write, or, or maybe it's a conversation we have later on, maybe after... Um, he has his 
goodbye in Indianapolis. But there, there's so much to process, and it's like truly the end of. You you were watching him when you were a kid. For me, he came into the league when I was 18. So my entire adult life has been Peyton Manning. And I don't know how serious you take sports when you're an adult or how emotional or how attached you get to them. But it's like, for me, this is the end of something. Like, you had Polian go, you had uh, Edron James go, and you had, you had Harrison go, and you had Reggie Wayne go. But this was the guy. Like, he was the at the center of it all. He was... You know, in, in my mind, the greatest ever. He was the one who turned the Colts around, and he was the one. I don't think he'll ever get enough credit from everyone for how he revolutionized the game. I, like, you look around the league now, and everyone is trying to be what Peyton Manning was as far as controlling plays at the line of scrimmage pre-snap. Like, that that's the standard now. You have to be able to do that to some degree. And, like, he's gone, and now there's, there's a piece... Like, you know, I think people can already t- people who follow, listen to me, read me, whatever, can tell that a part of that had already kind of left when he left. Like the the passion for writing about the Colts or talking about the Colts all the time left. But now it's football in general. He's gone. Like I, yeah, I, I still like football, but the he was. I, mean, I don't know if this is weird. You guys can judge me or whatever, but. He was what I was passionate about. I mean, I'm a Colts fan, but I became passionate about him. There was something about him. He was the greatest. Like, I was watching history, and and I, I became emotionally involved and attached to that. And, you know, as much as you can love someone who you've never met, or not, not love him, but love what he did and, and love what he gave you and gave the teams, and that now that's gone, and it's weird to me. And... uh. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I'm glad, like I said, he needed to do it because I didn't want to watch him play another year and be like, oh, gosh, dude. But now you have, just have to come to terms with the fact that it really is over. Oh, well. Yeah, it's like a second. It's it's like 2012 happening all over again to some extent. Um, but it's like it's kind of dulled for me because 2012 did happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the press conference, the retirement press conference may have been the best retirement press conference of all time. I didn't see Lou Gehrig's and, um, (laughs) so I don't really care. Um, but to me it was like, but it was like, I've, I saw Peyton do that press conference for Indy already. And that meant more to me personally. Um, you know, this was, it was different because it was retirement and it was for the NFL and it still meant something to me, but, you know, we've seen, we have seen this, this play out already. We've already said our goodbyes to some extent. And so, yeah, it's still, like you said, now you're coming to grips with the fact that he's gone from football together and that, that means something, but we've also prepped for it already. Um, so it's like, like, a, yeah, like I said, I think just, it it's dulled a little for me. It's a dulled sense. That makes sense. Okay, well, we're at 30 seconds, and I don't think we need to do an after show. We'll be back Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. So we'll, we'll talk about we'll Courtney Upshaw. Yeah, and um, thoughts may be a little more organized on different things. I'm sorry to everyone if I was scatterbrained tonight. I just, uh, like I said, coming into the show, I was tired. So we'll, we'll be better, or I'll be better on Thursday. Kyle's great as always. Uh, thank you for listening, Kyle. Thank you for joining. 
Uh, enjoy free agency tomorrow. I, I hope no one spends too much money on anything. And uh, thank, thank you guys. And uh, good night. Good night, Kyle. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.